Welcome to the Church Lies Podcast, a podcast where we expose the lies of the church one scripture at a time. I'm your host, Ernest Wills, aka E Dub, and I'm joined by my co-host. Hey, this is Ismail, aka Doc, aka uh... Yeah, that was it. <laughs> the <end>. Okay. <laughs> Good. All right, Doc, let me ask you this. How was uh how was your Thanksgiving? Um pretty uh I guess, I guess uneventful. Like, um, of course, you we typically do the visit family and eat food, mm-hmm. and that's pretty much and watch football. So, mm-hmm. my Thanksgiving consisted of delivering cheesecakes, uh, visiting my um my wife's family. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was kind of weird when when we yeah we started praying and I would yeah would. That's another story. Um, and because, yeah, because whenever we pray, like whenever we pray now, it's like, I, it's like, oh, yeah, everybody hold hands. And then they, I'm like, oh, crap, here it comes. Oh, Lord God. I'm like, God. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let me, uh, I'm going to pray my own prayer while you guys pray. Right. Right. So that, and um, yeah, I like, I like Black people's ability to essentially um, say that it's like, hey, yo, you know, Thanksgiving is this, Christmas is this. Black people pretty much like, look, I don't know about all that. Look, I'm just here because mm-hmm. it's an off day <laughs> and I'm here to eat. Right. right. Well, we know that Thanksgiving is um, a holiday that uh, was not ordained by the Most High, but if you do, you know, some research that it's, it was a day of celebration uh, for the uh, brutal murder of uh, innocent indigenous people, yeah, uh, killed by the thousands. A, you know. Yeah, it's a very, very, very just evil, yeah. dark, just yeah. brutal holiday. Like yeah. when I actually saw that, it was like something that was essentially like celebrated and odd. Like I want to say mandated by like every president all the way up until Lincoln, yeah. and. Yeah. They were just like, hey, we're celebrating Thanksgiving, and then they celebrate by killing Indians. Well, killing indigenous mm-hmm. people. I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what yep. type of mess is this? Yep. This is literally the celebration of killing people and being thankful that you were able to kill them and take from them what you took. That's right. that's what Thanksgiving is about. So, man, it's but but this is the reason why. You know, it's important for us to follow the word and not just follow uh, what everybody else is doing, celebrate the holidays that everybody else is doing, because there's something behind every single holiday that we celebrate here in America. Something yeah, wicked is behind everyone. And it's also important to stress that just because you state, oh, well, I don't celebrate it for that reason. Oh, that's right. Not, like, that doesn't matter what you think. Right. And that's not that doesn't right. matter. You can't state that, um, hey, yo, we celebrate Christmas because we're celebrating the birth. All right, well, Christmas represents this, this, and this, and it's allocated to this deity, not the one that you're trying to worship. Well, I do it for these reasons. All it right. doesn't matter what your reasons are. <laughs> that, the the like, custom you, is the worship. <laughs> right. You're, you like, the Most High did not give you authority to change anything. Right. <laughs> so, Despite whether or not you think that you're doing one thing, it's like that. Um, 
there's a one quote from the show that I absolutely love called The Wire. Um, mm-hmm. this the um, season four, I believe. Uh, then when they entered, like when um, Marlo was pretty much gaining power, and he went into a corner mm-hmm. store, and, and in front of this security guard, he steals a piece of um, just steals a candy bar and walks out. And the security guard's mm-hmm. like, like you already know, you already know you steal the candy bar. Why you gotta make this hard for me, bro? I'm just trying to make a living." And then he stepped to Marlo. Now Marlo's like a up and coming drug dealer, and then. Uh-huh. Marlo says this one phrase that I'll never forget, where he was just like, you want it to be one way. He was like, what are you talking about? You you wanted to be one way. And then he's like, yeah, you wanted to be one way. And then he looks back as he gets into the car, but and then states, but it's the other way. Right. Enough people want it to be one way. All right, I want to worship, like, I want to um do these holidays and all this stuff. And then when the information is presented to you, and then they just say, no, I want it to be this. But it's not mm-hmm. that. It's mm-hmm. this way. What you think you're worshiping isn't that. It's right. this other thing. And it's always right. been this other thing. You've right. essentially just taken it upon yourself to take other people's word for it that you're doing the right thing. Because, of course, you don't right. want to be wrong. You don't want to call these people that brought you up into these customs wrong that they're mm-hmm. doing anything. Because they themselves were are just essentially following tradition. That's what they were taught. But it's important for us as we acquire more knowledge and into what we actually believe that once we realize that these customs aren't the things that we're supposed to be doing, and then it's important for us to pivot and do the things that we're actually supposed to be doing. Because we, right. we stay in that state of knowing that these customs are wrong but still opting to essentially be immersed in that because, hey, look, my, my, you know, my grandparents did it, so I don't mm-hmm. care what all this stuff is. Well, why don't you read the word? Well, I'm not going to read that either. Then you're following, you're falling into a state of iniquity, and that's something mm-hmm. that you definitely don't want to be in. Mm-hmm. And one, one of the, the, the main reason why it's important uh, for us to not do what everybody else is doing is because we are the ones who are being punished by the most high, by the creator of heaven and earth for disobeying him. It's not white folk. It's not Asians. It's not uh, Europeans. It's not uh, any other Gentile nations. It's, it's the so-called Negro that is constantly trodden down, constantly oppressed, that's scattered all over the world. No Negro is in his homeland, like not one Negro is in his homeland. And it's because we have forsaken the most high and we followed after these other customs of these nations. And he said that you will not be delivered. You will not be saved from your situation until you return, until you return and keep my commandments. And that includes stop celebrating all of these holidays and start keeping his feast, start keeping his Sabbath and start keeping his tour. That's why it's important. It's not just like, well, you just celebrating this and you don't know what it is. No, it's deeper than that. The reason why you and your people are in such bondage and face such hell here in America and all over the world is because we do these things that serve other gods, that serve other entities, and we don't know it. We've been told that it's about, this is about giving thanks to God and Christmas is about 
uh, thanking uh, Jesus for his, thanking God for sending Jesus on his birthday and Easter's about, you know, him down on the cross. Like none of that stuff is true. None of those things are true. All of these holidays are connected to idol worship, pagan worship, and connected to um, death, destruction, and wickedness. And the Most High even told us, he said, when you go into these other nations, you will serve other gods. He said you will serve other gods. And that's what we're doing. When we celebrate these these days and, uh, you know, we are following Christianity and, and these some of these other religions, we are literally worshiping other gods, not even doing it. When he said, you know, I left you my word, I made a covenant with your forefathers, and they agreed that their descendants would follow the covenant. And if their descendants forsake it, then I will punish their descendants and descendants. And we are still under that punishment to this day. So that's why it's important um, for us to get away from these holidays, man. I stopped celebrating uh, the holidays. I think uh, the last time I did it was uh, 2016 or 2017, one of those two. And um, it, it's been a blessing for me. A lot of people don't understand. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, I'm going to do me. I'm going to be at peace with uh, what I what I'm doing, but I know why I'm doing what I'm doing. Most yeah. people, all people, are celebrating Thanksgiving because everybody in their family does it, because everybody that they know does it. If everybody in their family didn't do it, they wouldn't do it either. If everybody in their family didn't exchange gifts for Christmas, they wouldn't do it either. Like I know why I'm doing what I'm doing, and it's time for us as a people to come into the knowledge of why we're doing what we're doing. If it's not beneficial to us. If it's not what we think it is, we need to cut it out. We yeah. need to cut it out. I mean, it's, it's, it's that simple. He said, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out because it's better that you will lose your eye than for you to be cast into hell. So if it's something that causes you to sin, something that causes you to stumble and celebrating these holidays is sin. That's what it is. He never told us to do it for us, for his people. It is sin for us because he gave us his feast. He gave us his holy days, his set apart days. And for us to do something else is like spitting in his face. And this is why he has scattered us throughout, throughout the corners, uh, four corners of the earth. And he's like, when you get your mind right, when you get your life together, when you realize what you and your uh, forefathers have done, and you start teaching my ways to your children and their children, then I got you. Then I'm going to restore you. Then I'm going to gather you. Then I'm gonna make you the great nation that I promised your fathers. But until then, you're gonna suffer here. And honestly, celebrating Christmas and Thanksgiving is not worth the hell that black people catch here today in 2020 that we still fighting for. Celebrating that stuff is not worth it. Not even a little bit. Very true. And right. one thing that um like I, I want to get back onto just the personal decision making when it comes to a lot of the holidays that we celebrate. Uh, I'm sure that some of you like have had these questions like how come we celebrate Christmas when the word doesn't really state when his birthday is and it doesn't really state that we should even be celebrating it. <laughs> why, the, why wasn't this deemed one of the um, one of the holy days that we're supposed to be celebrating? Um why is it that we don't even bother celebrating the holy days that's in the scripture? 
a lot of we've been conditioned into thinking that the Old Testament is completely separate from the New Testament. And this is something that we we've harped on in previous lessons that we've like we've been conditioned into thinking that the Old Testament is just something that's just outdated, is like that stuff happened, but we don't listen to any of that anymore. We listen to the New Testament. I saw a comment on a post where they said that this person quoted the Old Testament and because they're saying that uh, God is vengeful, uh, vengeful, but this other person quoted that, oh, well, that was that was in the Old Testament. Uh, the New Testament, he's about love. And it's like, um, you, you do realize that if you believe that notion, then uh, you're you're essentially stating that he changed, like a you you can't say in the same breath that your um, God never changes, and then make a statement that implies that he changed. <laughs> right. Because by saying that. Um, oh, he's love now that he he's not vengeful anymore. It's like that is wrong. <laughs> that is so wrong. Like, and to even state that, oh yeah, he doesn't do that anymore. It's like, who told you that? That when 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 did you when did you who said that? Who said what? that he's not being vengeful? Oh, you know when he um sacrifices when Jesus sacrificed his life and all this stuff. That's when he started being about love. When did he say that? <laughs> you have a whole book at the end of the by in the at the end of the New Testament that's all about vengeance. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, and and it it comes from the indoctrinating and just the well, just the doctrine that that's being taught. Where is yeah. not only are you teaching for people or people being taught that all you got to do is believe, but there's also no consequence to any of your actions after you believe. So there's no value. Is essentially like we stated before, a get out of hell free card. Oh yep. yeah, you know, you know, uh, God was vengeful back in those times when people disobeyed. But now, it, all you got to do is believe. He's not. He's not that anymore. He's all about love. You don't even need to. He, you like, he's not gonna punish you. you all you got to do is uh, say you're sorry and you just keep on going. It's like that. It's not how he works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not how he works yeah. at all. Um, especially, um, but then again, when you essentially go about this path without following any of his laws or his commandments or simply the guidelines of the covenant of this belief that you want to go into, then of course you're going to believe that, oh, well, all I got to do is believe and then I do what I want since there's no rules that you are holding yourself to. And then whenever people state that, oh, well, if you believe in the law, then that means that. The law is a curse. That means that you're if you believe the law, then you're going to be cursed. That's not what that means at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just another way to get people into thinking that, yo, all you got to do is just believe and then you can do whatever you want. You're like, who, who cares? Who cares about the consequence? You can do whatever you want. You all you got to do is believe. That, like, what's God going to do? He ain't going to do nothing. He's all about love now. He's a hippie. He, he's peace-loving God, and that's all he does to it. And it completely neglects the verses. Some Sometimes within the same books, the same chapters that they quote, they be like, oh, Matthew says this. It was like, well, we could look at another part of Matthew where it says this. <laughs> so you can't have it both ways. It's clearly something that you're missing. 
And like it's, we stated, it's the whole word. Yeah, yeah. And like we stated before, um, in the like, the people that you consistently quote and believe in in the New Testament in those days didn't have the New Testament. They had the Old mm-hmm. Testament. That's where right. they got all the information, all their beliefs, all their customs, all their commands, all their laws, all of that stuff was from the Old Testament. So how can you sit up here and fix your mouth to stay to say? That oh we don't have to listen to the Old Testament we have to listen to the New Testament but when the pe- but you're listening to the people in the New Testament that all they had was the Old Testament so what and, the, is- and they're quoting the Old Testament and quoting the Old Testament it just makes you look stupid not <laughs> it just makes you just look real real weird by mm-hmm. saying hey, I'm not going to listen to the source material I'm going to listen to the people who's quoting the source material. What a, what what make it make sense? It doesn't make sense. I mean, we, we know what that boils down to. At the end of the day, it boils down to a heart condition where I'm comfortable in believing what I believe and not having any accountability and any responsibility. And so to look to see if there's more accountability and responsibility that's required of me, that would take me out of my comfort zone. That would alter my lifestyle that would make me have to make different decisions and I don't want to do that and so since I don't want to do that I won't even look into it I'm just going to continue to believe what I believe even though there's clear evidence that what you are saying is true because I'm comfortable in what I'm in I'm gonna stay where I am regardless of what the most high said because my heart is not yielded to follow the most high the way he told me to I'm gonna follow the most high the way I want to. And those are the ones that he going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. Those are the ones that he going to say, he who says he knows me and doesn't keep my commandments is a liar. You will lie the truth ain't in you. Those are the ones that he going to say, not everyone who says to me, uh, Elohim, Adonai, is going to get into the kingdom. But he who does the will of the Father. You cannot serve him the way you want to, the way that makes you comfortable. That's not true service to him. It's, it's just not. You have to serve him the way he commanded us to. And you have to look at the whole scripture and do what the whole scripture says to serve him the way he commanded us to. Because if not, then you're not really you're not serving him. You're serving yourself. And if you're serving yourself, you're really serving the devil because that's what the devil wants you to do. Like he's all about self-worship. Do whatever you want to do. You know, and that's what we have uh, diluted the word to. I'm going to obey the word the way I feel like I should obey the word. I'm going to do as much that uh, I'm going to do as much as I feel like I need to. When he said, this is the requirement. He who does not take his staff and follow me. You're not following him if you're doing what you want to do. You're not following him. If you keep in Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter and these other days, you're not following him. If you're not trying to keep the Torah, if you're not trying to keep the Sabbath, if you're not loving your neighbor as yourself, you're not following him. If you're not doing those things, you're not following him. If you refuse to make sacrifices, because he talked about the sacrifices that would have to be made. He said, I came to set uh, a mother against her daughter, a father against his son. A man's enemies will be that of his own household. He said, your family not going to like what you're doing, but you got to be able to to do it anyway. Because he said, if you love husband, wife, mother, father, daughter, son more than me, you're not worthy of me. 
He said, if anything or anyone keeps you from following me, you need to be like, hey, go on over there. I can't, I don't, I don't hate you, but you, I can't allow you to keep me from serving him. And if that's what you're doing, then you putting yourself in danger of not getting into the kingdom. He's very clear about that. Very clear about that. So at the end of the day, we have to be obedient to what his whole word says, not to what we think it says, not to what we want it to say. Because that's one thing that uh, is done in Christianity all the time. Well, the word says that, you know, uh, anything we eat, if we bless it, it's okay. The word says that, you know, well, uh, we're not justified by works. But the context of those scriptures does not imply that the law is done away with. Not at all. And you would know that if you read the whole scripture. I mean, the fact is, is Christians don't know the word. Yeah. They don't know it. They don't read it. And when you say things that's in the word, they like, dang, I ain't never heard that before. It's like, because you never read it. Like, it, we're not talking about books that you've never heard of. We, we saying stuff that's in Romans. We saying stuff that's in John. We saying stuff that's in New Testament books. And we saying stuff in uh, common Old Testament books. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Psalms. You know what I'm saying? We say, we're not saying things that are hidden in Obadiah or Nahum or Habakkuk or Judges, books that most people never even read. We saying stuff that's in books that everybody reads, but people do not read their words. Christians do not read their words. They don't know the word like they think they do. They know the handful of scriptures that they've been taught in church. And the problem with that is you miss the rest of the word. And that that is done intentionally. It is done intentionally so that you believe what you're taught to believe rather than believing what the word said. So um, that's, our, that's our little spiel on uh, the holidays, man. Really think about why you're doing what you're doing and look into what it's really about. I have discovered in, on my journey into not just this truth, but all truth, that there is nothing that we do in America that does not have a secret, hidden, wicked agenda behind it. Nothing. Every system that America believes and stands for has a sinister, wicked agenda behind it. From the holidays to the healthcare system, to the economic system, to the religious system of Christianity. That there is something wicked and evil behind it. And it's up to us to search it out so that we would know what it is, so that we do not participate in Babylon's sins, so that we do not partake in Babylon's plagues, like the scripture says in Revelation 18. So uh, we're going to end that, that part, that segment um, on just uh, current events, holiday season, Thanksgiving. And we're going to get into <clears throat> the subject on tithing. So this is tithing part two. We should finish it today. Uh, and then next week, we're going to start talking about Christmas. <laughs> we're going to start talking about yeah, yeah, the is, origins of Christmas. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. That was just the precursor. That's just the warm up. Because Christmas is not what we are told, not even a little bit. There's so much wickedness and idolatry in Christmas. doesn't make any sense. But we'll save that for next week. Now, let's get back into tithing. So, last week, our focus was on debunking the lie in church that Malachi 3.10 
teachers that we're supposed to get 10% of our tithe or paper money or currency to the church every week, you know? So we, we went through those scriptures and explained how the windows of heaven is not talking about just, you know, God's just going to send you something in the mail or somebody can walk up to you and just give you some money. That's not the windows of heaven. The windows of heaven are literal windows where the rain and the wind and the sun come out of so that your crops can get the nourishment that it needs in order for them to grow. Okay. So today we're going to discuss uh, a little bit. I don't know if we're going to get really into the uh, what the New Testament says about tithing. But we're going to discuss the origin of tithing from the scripture. What the scripture originally says tithing was for, what it was supposed to be about, and what we are supposed to be doing regarding the tithe. All right. So let's go. Let's start in Leviticus 27 verses 28 through 34. So I'm going to read, I'm going to read those scriptures. I'm going to uh, pause frequently whenever I need to in order to break down a certain point. Okay, so Leviticus 27, verses 38 through 34. We're going to start at verse 38. Nevertheless, no devoted offering that a man may devote to the Most High uh, that he has, both man and beast, or field of his possession, shall be sold or redeemed. Every devoted offering is set apart or holy unto the Most High. So what he's saying uh, here is that if you have an offering that is specifically set apart for Elohim and for his priests, then you can't sell it and exchange it for uh, money, for silver. Because if you look earlier in the chapter, he was talking about how um, you can redeem um, men, you can redeem flocks, you can redeem food. And he simply was talking about the value of that food. But he's saying that if it's set apart for the most high, that it can't be uh, redeemed or exchanged for money. So no person under the ban who has become doomed to destruction among men shall be redeemed, but he shall surely be put to death. That simply is referring to somebody who uh, is under punishment or breaking the Torah, and you got to look at all the other scriptures in the Torah talking about the punishments of the Torah, okay? Uh, so now we get into the tithe. And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, it is the most high, it is Yah's, and it is set apart unto Yah. So here we have what the scripture is referring to in the Torah, the first specific instance of the tithe. He refers to it as the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree. So again, the tithe is food. Here's our first reference from scripture that is explaining that the tithe, the tenth part, is food. Uh, let's see, verse 31. If a man wants, if a man wants at all to redeem any of his of his tithes, he shall add one-fifth to it. So that means that if he wants to exchange some of his tithes, remember, yes, we talked about that last week. If the, the journey was too too far and you couldn't carry all that food and, and flocks and things of that nature for your tithe, you exchange it and then for gold and silver and then do what you will with it. He says, if you redeem it, if you do that, then you have to do 
uh, you have to add one fifth to the tithe. So basically, instead of ten percent, it's going to be twelve percent, basically. Okay. Okay. And concerning the tithe of the herd or the flock, whatever passes under the rod, one tenth shall be separated unto the Most High. He shall not inquire whether it is good or bad, nor shall he exchange it. If he exchanges it at all, then both it and the one exchange shall be set apart. It shall not be redeemed. So again, he's saying that if something is set apart for the most high, you're not supposed to change it for something else. If it's his, it's his. He wants it. He said what okay? he said. Right. It belongs to him. He don't, he don't want you to change it, to fix it, to do this, to do that. These are the commandments which the Most High commanded uh, Moses to the children of Israel on Mount Sinai. So we see the first example of tithing from the Torah is him saying that the tithe is the seed of the land or the, the food that you grow and your flocks, your herds. So you're set apart. If you have a lamb, it's your set apart lamb. If you have a goat, it's your set apart goat that is to be sacrificed before the Most High. Okay, by the Levites. Okay, so this is the tithe. This is the tithe. All right, not talking about paper currency. All right, uh, is you want to add anything there before we go to the next scripture? I don't know. You pretty much covered everything. Like, um, okay, it is definitely, definitely important to yet again, yet again, yet again state that this is about food and not money. <laughs> like, right. Like, um, because a lot of people are going to be like, well, and then insert excuse here or even go, even going back to, um, where is that? Even going back to Malachi mm -hmm. and saying that, uh, well, we may be reading it differently. Oh, well, Malachi, what Malachi says in chapter eight. Will a man rob God? Yet he have robbed me. But ye say, Wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offering? Oh, well, that's where it says. But if you continue to read, uh, ye are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me even in this nation. Oh, all right, all right, yeah, this is like tithes and offerings. See, look at that, it's right there. But then verse 10, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house and prove me how herewith said the Lord of hosts if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there that shall be not enough to receive it not only do you see here the windows of heaven portion that we broke down but you also hear put it in my storehouse that there may be meat, meat. in my house and meat don't mean money <laughs> it don't mean money like that that does not mean money at all. Meat is food. Oh, wait. And then if you actually go one verse below that, in verse 11, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. He shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither yep. shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field. Yep. Again, so, still talking about food. Still talking about food. No, they didn't switch it up. There was no switch up in terms of like, oh, well, let's talk about money now. And then let's talk about food. We've already broke that down in Deuteronomy, where mm -hmm. the only time that money is mentioned is when your um, tithe is too great. So you have to sell that off, take the money to the place, and then spend money on food. It's mm -hmm. the only time money comes into the equation. Right. So 
Again, tithe is food. Storehouse is where you store food. I mean, it's, it really is that simple. But we're going to go into the next scripture. And you can look these up. Uh, we, we, we say all the scriptures so that you can look them up. But we encourage you to read them in the whole chapter, uh, in the whole context. We don't have time to do that here. Um, but the next one is Numbers chapter 18. And I'm, I'm not going to start. We should honestly read the whole chapter to get its context. But it's, it's just too much to get into. Uh, around verse eight talks about the offering. So you hear it say, how shall he, uh, shall a man rob the most high, but how have you robbed me in tithes and offering? Verse eight talks about the offering and what the offering is. It is the same thing. It is food as well. Okay. But we're, we're dealing with the tithe because the whole 10% thing, God said, you got to give 10% tithe to the church, 10% of your income. No, we, 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 we destroying all of that. Okay. So we're at verse 21. In Numbers chapter 18. So, behold, I have given the children of Levi all the tithes in Israel as an inheritance in return for the work they perform, the work of the tabernacle of meeting. So the tithe was for the Levites. The Levites, Levi is the third son of Jacob. That is who um, Aaron and his sons were, and they were assigned as priests. Okay. And it's interesting because let's let's do something real quick. And I I, I gotta try to remember my, my location. I think I'm in Revelation chapter 20. I'm trying to see. Right. Okay. So if I go to Revelation chapter 20, we're talking about um, the return of Yahushua and him establishing his kingdom. So blessed, I'm in verse six, blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection on such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of Elohim. And of Yahusha, and they shall reign with him for a thousand years. So there's other scriptures that say this, but he says that he when when he returns, he's going to select priests from among his people that partake in the resurrection, that, that get into the kingdom. He's going to take priests from among them and they are going to minister before him as priests. So the reason why I bring that to light is because here the tithe is designed specifically for the children of Levi. But now the children of Levi are scattered. They're scattered. We don't know where they are. We don't know their descendants. Us, the Negro, we are from the tribes of Judah and Benjamin. We are from the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom, many of them were scattered into different parts of Africa. They are still Negroid people. They are still a dark-skinned, melanated people. But they are not scattered around the world. They are in exile in Africa. In different different regions. So as far as the identity of the Levites, we do not know who they are. But he says he's going to establish an order to where he's going to call certain of his chosen out to be priests, to be ministered, to minister to him. And he said that is their inheritance for the work they perform. Remember what we talked about, about eternal life and salvation. When you get into the kingdom, you get your inheritance. 
You don't get that when you die. You get that when he when he comes back and when we reign for a thousand years. So I just wanted to point that out real quick. So verse twenty-two: Hereafter, the children of Israel shall not come to to the tabernacle of meeting, lest they bear sin and die. But the Levites shall perform the work of the tabernacle of meeting, and they shall bear their iniquity. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations that among the children of Israel that they have no inheritance. So the Levites, their job is to bear the iniquity of the people. And so they don't have the lands and the crops and things of that nature. They don't have their portion. Their portion is to bear the iniquity of the people and to minister before the Most High. And that is why the rest of the people, the rest of the tribes are supposed to bring their tithe to the Levites, to the priests. Verse 24, for the tithe of the children of Israel, which they offer up as a heave offering unto the Most High, I have given to the Levites as their inheritance. Therefore, I have said to them, among the children of Israel, you shall have no inheritance. So again, we're still talking about food. The tithe is for the descendants of Levi. It's not for your local pastor. It's not for your local church. That's not what the tithe is for. Now, we're not saying that you shouldn't bring food to your food pantry. <laughs> that's, not what we, that's not what we're saying. You should do that. That's a, that's a wonderful thing to do. Yes, the, but, that's actually a great thing to do. It's, yes. Um, and I think it's called an alm. That's, mm -hmm. that's essentially when you're getting giving money or goods to people in need as an act of charity. That's something that mm -hmm. we should be doing. Right. But to right. say that it's, um, that it's a tithe, is com is complete a tithe is completely different from an all inflate mm -hmm. right. when it's like no it's not a more accurate uh, assessment of what the church is doing would be to ask people for alms instead of tithes because right. that would be a more accurate assessment of what it is that they're asking you and, and that would be that would be honest. You know what I'm saying? Um, it would be honest to tell people, you know, we're a church. We got bills. We got, you know, stuff we got to take care of, you know, give out of your ability. You know, um, we're asking that you give out of your ability. That is completely different from saying God said that the tithe belongs to him. The tithe is 10 percent. That means you need to give 10 percent of your money to the church. You see the difference between those two. Now, my question yeah. to you is uh, the, the, the listener, when you're in church, what do you hear the pastor or the preacher say? Do you hear the preacher say, give out of your need, give out of what you have? You know, we have bills to take care of. If you have it, we're asking that you would give what you can. Or do you hear give the tithe, give 10 percent of your money? Which one do you hear? Because what I heard was the latter. What I heard was the emphasis on the 10% and the emphasis on this is money when the scripture says that it's 10% of your produce. That's what it's 10% of. And so this is uh, my frustration with the lies of the church because by saying God said give 10% of your money to the church, you're lying on the most high and you're, you're putting his people in bondage by doing that. 
and at the same time you are uh, lying on his word because his word doesn't say that the, the scripture that's always used Malachi 3 he said bring the tithe to the storehouse but the context of the storehouse is never given to by the preacher it's just assumed that the storehouse is the church where nowhere in the scripture does he say that the storehouse is the church yeah and, it's just assumed like that the tithe is money go ahead right and like like we stated um in our previous lessons the word like uh, i like in the word in terms of it's like a uh, a scaling well scaling um difficulty where mm -hmm. you, you have to start from the beginning to get the foundation but as you read you not only get more of an understanding of what's going on, but the foundational pieces that you learn in the beginning will play a part in the lesson because things go along and assume that you've read the, the uh, previous they're not going to explain what it is that they're talking about because you should already know when they say that uh, so there may be meat in my storeroom storehouse you should have already known that tithe had nothing to do with uh with money because right. that was stated in deuteronomy that was stated right. in books past. like that way when you get there you already know the context it's like oh because of I already read it here. This is what they're talking about here. Mm -hmm. And you just move forward with that understanding. Because once you mm -hmm. get in the New Testament, they ain't doing no explaining. They're not trying mm -hmm. to catch you up. It's literally, they're going to kick precepts, kick verses, and all this stuff and not give you any, um, and not give you any um, context. Not, not necessarily context, but they're going to assume that you already know the context. Right. And you're just going to keep pushing forward. And if you mm -hmm. don't know it, then it's best to not assume that it means one thing. It's best mm -hmm. to just see if it's uh, referenced in a prior book that you may have missed. And then right. once you gain an understanding, move forward with it. Um, right. And that's something that um, we definitely need to stress upon when it comes to this word. Because a lot of times people get caught up in the, um, in the notion of, all right, well, we'll just take uh, we would just cherry pick these verses without the proper context. We'll just cherry pick these things from the Old Testament and then denounce the Old Testament while referencing the Old Testament. <laughs> and it just leads to not only just confusion, but also a complete disregard for um, the Old Testament, even though you need that information leading into the New Testament. Let's see, what was uh uh that's all I had. Yeah, that was it. That's I just wanted to add that. Um actually let me uh, read um Malachi one verses twelve and thirteen. Um actually let me start at verse eleven. So from the rising of the sun, even unto the going down of the same, my name shall be great among the Gentiles, and in every place incense shall be offered unto my name, and a pure offering, for my name shall be great among the heathen, said um, Yahuwah of hosts. <laughs> but ye have profaned it, in that they, ye say the table of Yahuwah is polluted, and the fruit thereof, even his meat, is contemptible. Ye said also, Behold, what a weariness it is, and ye have snuffed at it, said Yahuwah of hosts, and ye have brought that which was torn, and the lame, and the sick, thus ye brought an offering. Should I accept this of your hand? So 
you can even look at verse one and back at verse one where they reference fruit and meat and know that it's talking about food mm-hmm. <laughs> and so with that understanding as you move forward to chapter three in the same book you already know that when he says meat it's not talking about money right. <laughs> it's talking about food right absolutely um so back back to what you were saying though about um ha- having the context of, of the scripture the context of the entire 66 books of the bible is found in the torah it's found in exodus leviticus numbers and deuteronomy all the prophets did was point out to the people where they were breaking the torah and asking them to come back <clears throat> excuse me to the torah the new testament is the same thing Yahusha was simply another prophet, but he was the prophet that they were waiting on. He was the prophet and the sacrifice. And his message was the same as the other prophets. How do we know this? Matthew chapter 22. What is the great commandment? Love Yahusha. No, love Yahuwah, your Elohim with all your heart, soul, and strength. This is the first and great commandment down to Deuteronomy 6. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Found in Leviticus chapter 19. He said, on these two hang all the law, all the Torah and the prophets. So he is simply reinforcing what the Torah said and what the prophets said. He didn't come changing anything. Paul did the same thing. Paul was reinforcing what was said. The entire context of scripture comes from Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteron- uh, numbers in Deuteronomy. If you do not know what is in these four books, you will not be able to understand the rest of the scripture. It will not make sense. It won't make sense. So that's why we are going over these scriptures about the tithe in Leviticus, in Numbers, in Deuteronomy, so that you can see the context of tithing so that the wool can be taken from over your eyes so that you can understand that we are not supposed to be giving 10% of our currency to the church. The Bible does not teach that. The word does not teach that. Okay. So let's go to, let's go back to numbers. And we're going to keep reading uh, a little bit more here. And then we're going to go to Deuteronomy. If we finish. All right. Uh, so I'm in verse 25, numbers 18, verse 25. <clears throat> Then the Most High spoke to Moses, saying, Speak thus to the Levites and say to them, When you take from the children of Israel the tithe which I have given you from them as an inheritance, you shall offer up a heave offering of it unto the Most High, a tenth of the tithe. So out of all of the tithe that they got, they were supposed to give a tithe of that as an offering, a heave offering. Okay? And your heave offering shall be reckoned to you as though it were grain of the threshing floor and the fullness of the wine press. So the grain of the threshing floor, that's the grain that is crushed, that is ground down to a powder where you get it to flour and you make bread. Wine press, same thing. It's where you step on the grapes <laughs> to get the juice out. So he's simply saying that the offering that you get, is it needs to be crushed, okay? And thus you shall offer a heave offering 
Oh, let me see where I'm at. Thus you shall offer a heave offering unto the Most High from all your tithes which you receive from the children of Israel, and you shall give the Most High's heave offering from it to Aaron the priest. Of all your gifts, you shall offer up every heave offering that's due to the Most High from all the best of them and consecrate that part. So the, the, the Levites, they are supposed to consecrate a tenth of that and give that to Aaron. The reason why they gave it to Aaron was because he was the head priest at that time. All right. Therefore, we're at verse 30. Therefore, you shall say to them, when you have lifted up the best of it, then the rest shall be accounted to the Levites as the produce of the threshing floor and the produce of the wine press. Again, produce, meat, food, food. Verse 31. You may eat it in any place, you and your households, for it is your reward for your work in the tabernacle of meeting. You shall bear no sin because of it when you have lifted up the best of it. But you shall not repay the holy gifts of the children of Israel lest you die. So again, the tithe that they take, they present that to the most high. They, they crush it. They step on it. You're talking about the grain, the flour, those things. And they, they press the wine. What's left over, they take it and they eat it. This is the tithe. You eat the tithe. The tithe is food. Again, more context from scripture showing us that the tithe is still food. We, we've, we've gone through most of the Torah so far where the tithe is talking about food. We still haven't gotten anywhere where he says that the tithe is money. All right. So let's go to the next scripture. I believe it's Deuteronomy. Yeah, Deuteronomy 14. And and I think we're around verse 22-ish. Deuteronomy 14. Yep. Verse 22, tithing principles. All right. So again, um, read Deuteronomy 14 in its context. Uh, here he talks about clean meat, clean meat and unclean meat. And notice that he said in Leviticus, you know, if the if the uh, the animal is unclean, if it's an unclean animal, he doesn't want that as the tithe. So keep that in mind. <laughs> we're still dealing with unclean foods and things of that nature okay so down to verse 22 Deuteronomy 14 starting at verse 22 you shall truly tithe all the increase of your grain that the field produces year by year so again the tithe is the grain that the field produces that puts all of the windows of heaven in context all right you shall eat before Yahuwah, your Elohim, in the place where he chooses to make his name abide, the tithe of your grain and your new wine and your oil and of the firstborn of your herds and your flocks, that you may learn to fear Yahuwah always. So again, the tithe is the grain, the new wine and the oil, all food. Firstborn of the herds and the flocks, all food. But it's like what we were saying before. Oh, I think this is also in Deuteronomy 26. If the journey is too long, so that you are not able to carry the tithe, or if the place, if the place where uh, the Most High chooses to put His name is too far from you, where uh, the Most High has blessed you, then you shall exchange it for money. Take the money in your hand, go to the place where He chooses. You shall spend that money on whatever your heart desires, for oxen, for sheep, for wine, or similar drink, or for whatever you desire, and you shall eat it there before Yahuwah, and you shall rejoice you and your household. 
You shall not forsake the Levite who is within your gates, for he has no part of inheritance uh, with you. Verse 28. At the end of every third year, you shall bring out the tithe of your produce of that year and store it up within your gates. Store it up where? In the storehouse. The same storehouse that's spoken of in Malachi chapter 3. And the Levite, because he has no portion uh, nor inheritance with you, and the stranger and the fatherless and the widow who are within your gates may come and eat and be satisfied, that you may bless all the work of your hand which you do. So again, the tithe was for the Levite, the fatherless, the widow, the stranger, those who had no inheritance, those who did not have a man to provide for them. Again, we're, we're, go we're looking at tithing in its original context in the culture that the Most High created for his people, not in the American culture, where you have been told that the tithe is paper money, 10% of your check that you're supposed to give to the Most High. And I want to point this out. It's not just 10% of your check that you earn from your job. It's 10% from any money that you get. If a stranger gives you $100, you're supposed to get a church 10. If you get uh, $500 for Christmas, just say your parents got, got it like that, you get $500 for Christmas. You're supposed to get 50 to the church. Yeah, it's like this they, is what's taught. Permatax. Yeah. It, like, the, the scripture does not teach that. It doesn't teach that. And shame on the quote unquote men of God and women of God who are binding up his people, placing heavy burdens on them. Who else did that in the scripture? I think it was the Pharisees. Yeah. I think it was the Sadducees that put heavy burdens on the people. Burdens that they weren't willing to lift themselves. Shame on them for that. And they will have to give an account to the Most High. If you are a pastor and you're listening to this and you see this word in, in, in this context, go back and tell your people the truth. Not only tell them the truth, but I would even recommend that you give some of that back to your people because that would be truly keeping the Torah. That would be paying back what was wrongfully given, what was wrongfully done. That would be a um, that would be a, a, a sacrifice before the Most High that the Most High would be pleased with. Because maybe you are a pastor or a preacher who didn't know these things. You know, maybe you you just believe what you was taught, just like. We did. But now after listening to this, you see we're not supposed to be putting these this this money burden on our people. You know, I mean, you looking at your congregation, you know, that your people in your congregation are struggling financially. You know, you have people who are faithfully tithing and they there have not been windows of heaven open up and they just getting money out of the blue and don't have have too much money. They don't know what to do with. You know that that's the case in your church. Something in you has to say some man. Right. My people are giving. But they're still struggling. They're still burdened. They're still struggling financially. Tell them the truth about tithing. Tell them the truth. Be honest with them. Be honest with the Most High's children. He loves his children. He, he, he has given his son his best for his children. He does not want his children to be lied to. He does not want his children to be deceived. He does not want his, want his children to be taken advantage of. And telling your sheep that God said to give 10% of your money to the church is deceiving his children. He never said that. He never said that. Don't tell that to your people. Tell them that you got to pay bills. 
just like they do and ask them if they have anything to spare. That's what you should be telling your people. Not God said, give me 10% because I am the priest. I am the minister to him for you. No, no. He said the priest was the children of Levi. You're, you're not a, you're not a son of Levi. If you, if you are a brother or sister, you're a son or daughter of Judah. So once again, we've gone through the Torah where he explains that the tithe is food. It's not money. It's not paper currency. So it's, uh, I do have a little bit more. Do you have anything you wanted to add yes, to that point? I got one first. Okay. Go ahead. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. Okay. It simply says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Mm-hmm. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Mm-hmm. It's it's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. Like we like consistently, like there's different people, preachers, uh so-called prophets in the church nowadays, uh tr- Sunday school teachers and the like want to just con- continue to downplay the importance of just reading the scripture. Mm-hmm. And that's that's all you gotta do. It's just read and keep his commandments. That's it. And um and knowing the foundational pieces will help you greatly in understanding the work in its totality. Mm-hmm. So it's just as simple as that. Just fear Elohim and keep his commandments. That's it. All right. That's 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 what it's all about. Um uh, before we close, I did wanna wanna um do a do a couple of things. First thing I wanna say. The last um, place in the Torah where the scripture discusses the uh, tithe and the offering, we actually read that last week, Deuteronomy chapter 26, um, verses 1 through 15. We went over that last week. Okay, I think we went over verse 12. When you have finished laying aside all the tithe of your increase in the third year of tithing and have given it to the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, so that... uh, they may eat within your gates, then you shall be, uh, you shall say before Yahuwah, uh, I have removed the holy tithe from my house and have given it to the Levite, the stranger. I think we read that part. But yeah. again, it's, it's saying the same thing as before. So uh, in your uh, free time and spare time, if you want to do further study into this, uh, read Deuteronomy 26. Uh, read, this, read the whole chapter. But again, it's simply reinforcing what the scripture says uh, previously about the tithe. All right. So I wanted to do that. And then the last thing I wanted to do was I wanted to deal with tithing in the New Testament. So there are only a few scriptures where tithing is found in the New Testament. The first is Matthew 23, 23. Is, can you look that up? Matthew 23, 23. Uh, the verse is, um, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye pay tithe of mint and Anise and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done, and not to leave the other undone. Hmm. So here's here's Messiah criticizing the Pharisees, calling them hypocrites, saying that they that they do pay tithe of what mint, anise, and cumin, herbs, produce, food. But they neglect the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. So he's saying you should be paying the tithe of uh, the produce 
and teaching the other matters of the law as well, justice, mercy, and faith. So again, he is reinforcing to keep the Torah, to keep the commandments. So that's one from the New Testament about tithing. The next one is Luke eleven forty two, but it's the same thing. Or do you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and manner of herbs and pass by the justice and the love of Elohim. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. The same thing he just said in Matthew 23. Um, Luke 18, verse 12. This is the rich young ruler. He said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said, keep the commandments. And he, his response was, I fast twice a week and I give tithes of all I possess. So this is, again, going back to the Torah, keeping the commandments. Remember, they didn't have the New Testament. They only had the Old Testament, the context of scripture of the tithe. All right. And the last thing was Hebrews. And I want to deal with Hebrews because this is talking about the first example of tithing from the scripture. And this is often used to say, well, we don't have to uh, we don't have to keep the Torah anymore. And so I want to I want to deal with this real quick. We're a little bit over an hour, but you know what? That's OK. But I want to deal with this real quick. And it's, I want you to give me your input. So I'm reading Hebrews chapter seven. And this is often used to say. You know, or we we don't need the priest, which means we don't need the law. We don't need the Torah. And this has to do with tithing as well. So I'm, I'm going to deal with this. All right. So Hebrews 7, verse 1. For this is for this Melchizedek, a king of Salem, priest of the most high Elohim, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all first being translated king of righteousness, then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace, without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither the beginning of days nor the end of life, but made like the son of the most high, remains a priest continually. So just to break that down, Melchizedek was the king of Salem. After Abraham went and fought, I can't remember where he fought, but he fought to set his brother free and he took the spoils. He took the, the, their food, their wine, their, their, their uh, gold and silver and, and, and all their good things of the, the people that he took. And it's Genesis 14. Let me, let me try to find it, the context of it real quick. Okay, so starting in verse 10, and the veil of Sidon was full of slime pits and the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled and fell there and they remained and fled in the mountain. And they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and their victuals and went their way. And they took Lot, Abraham's son, who dwelt in Sodom and Gomorrah and his goods. And there came uh, one that had escaped and told Abram, the Hebrew, for he dwelt in the plain of Mamre, and the Amorite, the brother of Eshol, the brother of Aner. And they were confederate or gathered together with Abraham. When Abraham heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants born in his own house, 300 of them, and pursued them unto Dan. He divided himself against them and his servants by night and smote them and pursued them unto Hobah, which is in Damascus. And he brought back all the goods, also brought, against, uh, also brought back again his brother Lot, his goods and his women and the people. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of Shedoralomer, and of the kings that were with him in the valley of Shabai. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was a priest of the Most High Elohim. 
And he blessed him and blessed Abraham of the Most High, the possessor of heaven and earth. And he blessed the Most High and hath delivered uh, thine enemies into thy hand. And he gave him tithes of all. So this is where he's saying he gave, Abraham gave Melchizedek tithes of all. So that's uh, the context of uh, that scripture in Hebrew where he talks about the tithe. Now I want to get into why that's important. So Melchizedek was not a Hebrew and he was not a son of Levi. Levi hadn't, has, has not even born. But the writer of Hebrews is, is making the comparison between Melchizedek and Yahushua. He's bringing that together, and I'm going to show you what, what he's saying with that. So now consider how great this man was, uh, to whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoil. And indeed, those who are of the sons of Levi, who received the priesthood, have a commandment to receive the tithes from the people according to the law. That is from their brethren. So like we said before, the Levites get the tithe from the other 11 tribes of Israel. That's their brethren. Right. Uh, though they have come in from the loins of Abraham. But he whose genealogy is not derived from them receives tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promise. Now beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the better. Here, mortal men receive tithe, but there he receives them, and of whom it is witness that he lives. Even Levi, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, so to speak, for he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. So he's basically saying that Abraham, who bore Levi, because Levi was Abraham's great-grandson, he said Abraham gave tithes to Melchizedek. And what he's saying is this is a mirror of the Israelites giving tithes to Yahushua because Melchizedek is not a Levite, just like Yahushua is not a Levite. He is from Judah. OK, so he's he's painting the picture that here is a here is a. An ancestor of Levi giving tithes to someone who was not a Levite, but a priest of the Most High. And he's going to show how we, who are sons of Levi, are going to be giving our tithes or our worship, our praise, our service to someone who is not of the tribe of Levi or Yahushua. So here we go. Verse 11. Therefore, if perfection were through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should rise according to the order of Melchizedek? That simply means out of the order of Levi and not be called to according to the order of Aaron. For the priesthood being changed in necessity, there is also a change of the law. For he of whom these things are spoken belongs to another tribe from which no man has officiated at the altar. So again, he's simply saying, that we have this priest, Melchizedek, and we have another priest, Yahushua. He said that through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there for another priest to rise? The other priest is Yahushua. Okay? And he explains that in verse 14. For it is evident that our Adonai, our Lord, arose from Judah, 
of which tribe Moses spoke nothing concerning the priesthood. And it is yet far more evident if in the likeness of Melchizedek there arises another priest who has come not according to the law of a fleshly commandment, but according to the power of an endless life. What endless life? Eternal life. What he is simply saying is the value is not in the sacrifices of the food, the sacrifices of the offering, the sacrifices of the burnt offering, but the value is in keeping the Torah according to the power of an endless commandment, according to salvation, according to eternal life. What did he say? He said, this is eternal life, that they may know you. And who? Yahushua, the priest, the true priest. Again, we do not have the Levites. We are not supposed to be sacrificing to Levites now, but we are supposed to be committed to Yahushua who taught us to follow him and keep the commandments just like he followed, followed the father and kept his commandments. You are, I'm, I'm keep going, I'm in verse 17. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. For in one hand, there is an annulling of the former commandment because of its weakness and unprofitableness. He's simply talking about the sacrifices for the Levitical priests. He's not saying the annulling of the former commandment, meaning the whole law is done away with. He is talking about the sacrificial portion of the commandments. Okay? For the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, there is the bringing of a better hope through which we draw nearer to Elohim. I'm almost done. Trying to get through this. Okay. And inasmuch as he was not made a priest without an oath, for they have become priests without an oath, but he with an oath and by him who said, the most high has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. By so much more, our savior has become surety of a better covenant. Now, the better covenant is not always done away with the old covenant. That's not what the better covenant is. The better covenant is when he said in his word that he would write his law in our hearts and in our minds. That's the better covenant. The reason why is because when he writes it in our hearts and our minds, when we're changed, when we get into the kingdom, we won't be tempted to leave. We won't be tempted to abandon the commandment. The better covenant is not the laws done away with. That's not what the scripture is saying. The scripture is saying that when he said, I will write their uh the law in their hearts and in their minds. Matter of fact, let's find it. I know it's also in Hebrews. I can't remember where exactly, but I, I know it's in Jeremiah. Give me one second. 30, Jeremiah 31. Yep, and then he, he talks about it in Hebrews chapter 8. Yep. So, Jeremiah 31, let's go all the way down to verse, wait a minute, that's the Jeremiah 31. Yeah, Jeremiah 31, verse 31. Okay, chapter 31, verse 31. Okay, behold, the days are coming, says Yahuwah, where I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt, by covenant which they broke. Though I was a husband to them, but this is the covenant I will make with them, uh, with Israel after those days. So he's still making a covenant with his people. 
I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their Elohim. They shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother saying, no Elohim. For they all shall know me from the least to the greatest. I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. This is the better covenant. This is the better covenant that the writer of Hebrews is talking about when he is in Hebrews uh, chapter seven. Talking about the, the better covenant through Yahushua, because remember, Yahushua comes down to save us and he establishes that new covenant, that better covenant where he writes what? The law on our minds and on our hearts. Okay, so and one thing that we need to um, go into go um, with uh, Hebrews uh, back in uh, chapter seven, verse verse 19 specifically for the law mm -hmm. made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did by which we draw nigh unto Elohim um, because the law in and of itself was perfect, but mm -hmm. it's not the, the law doesn't make a person perfect. Right. It's essentially um, brought in hope prior to that. Right. There was hope. These were guidelines that uh, the most high introduced to us that we would work towards um, essentially that better hope that we will be able to draw nigh unto him, draw unto right. him by mm -hmm. following his law statutes and commandments mm -hmm. and due to those things being perfect we will aspire to be perfect as a, like people have this tendency to think oh well the law was perfect he did it because we knew that we could he knew that we couldn't do it so we're just not supposed to do it what sense does that make that no no like he gave us these things so we can work towards building ourselves up to be perfect as the law like as the law intends us to be like, are we going to fall apart? Of course. But that's also, it places upon ourselves an extra responsibility to try harder, to uh, keep at it in terms of um, knowing what we're capable of and then aspiring to be better according mm -hmm. to the law that he stated, as right. opposed to just saying, well, we, uh, well, if you sin against one, it means you did, you did everything wrong, so you just can't do anything. Bruh, no, that's not what that means. That, that's like saying, well, the, the speed limit is 35. I can't help but go 45. So I might as well go rob a bank. I might as well go <laughs> shoot somebody. I might as well go do all these, uh, break all these other laws. I can't keep this one. So why should I keep all the rest of them? That's, that's right. saying the same thing. That makes no sense at all. None. Because there are consequences. There are consequences to breaking the law. And his people, his chosen people, we are the ones who are suffering. We are suffering those consequences from breaking his commandments. And like you said before, it's not that we are supposed to keep every single one. He said, keep them with your whole heart. If you read Deuteronomy 30, he said, when you return to me with all your heart, that means to the best of your ability. That's what that means. It's, it's some Sabbaths we might have to work. He understands our heart. He understands that our desire is to serve him and to rest on this day. But if we have to work, we may have to work on that day. Feast of Tabernacles. We're supposed to live in tents for eight days. Many of us can't do that, you know, but we can still keep the feast as much as we can. It's about turning to him. It's about turning away from the world and turning to him. And believe it or not, Christianity is of the world.
It is. Everybody says they're a Christian. Everybody. The, the, the rappers that talk about gangbanging and smashing every chick that they see and, and killing each other. When they get their award, what they say? I want to thank my Lord and say, Jesus Christ, for blessing me to get this award. Y'all know what I'm saying? We finna get lit at the club after the, you know what I'm saying? They all say they're Christians. That's the world. That's the world. He said, I want you to follow the Torah. I want you to do what everybody else is not doing. Because when you do that, then you'll be set apart. You'll be a great nation. Like you said, it's, it, it was, it's not about keeping every single of the 600. But it's not. it's also not, well, because I can't keep this one, I throw all the rest of them out. Well, because I can't uh, not lie, well, that means I can that means I can throw away not committing adultery. That means I can throw away coveting. That means I can throw away all these other ones. That makes no sense. That makes no sense. You that that left that type of thinking was taught to us by church. It was taught to us. Well, you don't have to keep it all, but you know, because we can't keep it all, we don't have to strive to do that. We cool because we believe Jesus. If that's the case, then how come um, people in church don't steal? Well, you're not supposed to steal. Where is that at? It's in the law. But I thought the law was done away with. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, technically they steal. Yeah, what it is still right. in their tithes and offers. Oh, full circle. Oh, right. man, look at this. <laughs> oh, good at this. I mean, it's, it's like you say the law is done away with, but you do things to try to keep the law. But you, you say, I'm going to keep these things, but not the other. You are who Paul is talking to when he said, uh, you try to justify yourselves by works. I'm going to do these, but I'm not going to do these over here. He was, Paul was saying, you try to just, justify yourself by being circumcised, but you're not going to justify yourself by keeping the rest of the Torah. Paul said, you got it wrong. You suppose, whether you circumcised or not, that really don't matter. It's what you do. You're supposed to do the Torah. You can't say, well, I don't do this stuff, so I'm cool, but I don't have to do this stuff because, you know, we don't keep the law. That doesn't make any sense. If you say you're keeping the law and you're doing this, then you're supposed to do this as well. Paul said in Galatians, if you are, whether you're circumcised or uncircumcised, you are supposed to keep the whole law. Paul said that. And so we can't differentiate and pick, well, I, I'm going to keep these, but not this. No. That's what got us in trouble. That's what got us serving other gods. That was got us scattered all over the world. That's what got us in slavery. That's what got us oppressed. That's what got our, our neighborhoods redlined. That's what got uh, black on black crime. That's what got our police killing us without with impunity. I mean, these are all the curses that the scripture says we will go through. And we're going through them now, not realizing that it's because we, we forsook the law. And we have to get back to the law because if we do not, we won't be delivered. You will not save us and deliver us. We won't even be able to come together. It's so many different factions within the black community. You should be doing this. You should be doing that. You should be doing this. You should be doing that. We are a divided people. And we can't even come together with one common goal to overcome our enemies. It's because the Elohim of heaven and earth said the only way that you will be able to come together is if you keep my commandments and statutes. But again, it's like you keep saying, it ain't going to be all of us. I was um, 
looking at some scriptures this morning before we started the podcast. He was saying, I think it was in um, Isaiah 11. He was talking about it's only going to be a remnant. He said, a lot of my people are going to be outside the gate because they're not going to come in. But the ones that I chose that's going to follow me, them the ones I'm going to let in. And some Gentiles, too. It's some Gentiles that's going to follow the commandments and they're going to cleave to Israel and they're going to get in, too. But he said, my people, a lot of my people are not going to get in. And how, many people. How, go ahead. How messed up would it be for you to be led out of captivity just to go right back in? It doesn't make sense. Yeah, it, it it doesn't make any sense. Like, don't 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 be led astray in terms of like, hey, yo, I'm just gonna have faith and that's it. Because you may be one of the out of captivity. You you're able to see, hey, yo, these are the rewards, and then you just get the rug pulled out from under you. You're like, nope, you ain't getting it. You are going right back <laughs> in the captivity. Like, bro, that would be heartbreaking. And it's man, that's that's that that is not that inheritance is not for us we've already been through captivity we've already been through the oppression and the devastation and the murder and the torture and the complete annihilation and destruction of our people why would we do it again when we could get to have our own kingdom where we rule where we in charge where we set the rules according to the most high why would we Neglect that for something just because it, it takes us out of our comfort zone. I'm going to tell you this. Elohim is making sure that every American, every citizen of the world is taken out of this comfort zone right now. All the stuff that we used to be able to do, we can't do it like we used to. He's going to make sure that it continues to happen. He's going to continue to make you uncomfortable until you are forced to choose either the Torah or not. And when that choice is set before you, if you choose not, man, you're choosing the path for destruction. According to the word, because everything is playing out here in this life, in this world. Everything is playing out like the word says. Everything. They trying their best to make this vaccine the mark of the beast. They trying their best. Yeah, we trying to vaccinate everybody on planet Earth. Yeah, we're going to have it to where just like you can't uh, go into a store without a mask, you can't go into a store without a vaccine. This is what they're saying. This is what they're saying. They're trying to make us as uncomfortable as possible. All I hear is Joshua. Choose ye this day. Whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we serve in the most high. We serve in Yah. We keep in his commandments to the best of our ability. And we're going to love him. And we're going to love his people. But at the end of the day, he gave us his commandment. He never did away with his commandment. The only thing that he essentially did away with was the priesthood. And honestly, the reason why he did away with it is because the priests were unclean. Yeah, all you got to do is read the prophets to see how unclean the priests were. He was like, y'all can't sacrifice before me no more. <laughs> it, was, it was awful. They had, they were sacrificing to, to Molech gods and to Jupiter. And they would, they had pigs and other unclean animals in the temple. He said, y'all can't be my priest no more. <laughs> yeah. Wow. He's like y'all, y'all can't be my priest no more. Mm -mm. Yeah, like y'all, good. Nah, y'all. Right, <laughs> right. Do it. He's like, uh, I'm cool on y'all. <laughs> He's up, up cool. He's like, I can't, I can't even look at y'all no more. Yeah, just gonna. Get I can't, I can't even look at y'all. Mm -mm. So, but now he said, I'm gonna send a new priest, not in the order of Levi, through the order of Melchizedek, my son Yahusha. And to him, you don't have to sacrifice. 
because he became the sacrifice for you. All you have to do is believe in him and follow his commandment. That's what believing in him is. Believing in him is following his commandments. He said faith without works is dead. He said, if you love me, go out my commandments. Remember the, the old saying that we've heard all the time. To know and not to do is not to know. Mm-hmm. If, if he's given us something to do and we're saying, oh, well, we don't have to do that, then do you really know him? No. The Bible says you don't. He says you don't. So we have to understand as a people that we are in this predicament as a nation because we have forsaken his tour. Our ancestors have forsaken it and we have continued to forsake it. He said in the last days, you will consider the blessing and the curse. You will look at your lives and you will see where you were blessed and where you were cursed. Our people was a great people back in uh, the scripture. And we was even a great people uh, in Africa before they brought us here. The Bantu dynasty, oh yeah. The, Mal the Mali dynasty, they were ruled by Israelites, by black Israelite kings. The Ghanaian dynasty, they were ruled by black Israelite kings. We have had the blessing, but now we're living the curse. The curses of Deuteronomy 28, of Leviticus 26. The curses of the scripture that says that you will be scattered to all nations. You will be a hissing. You will be a, a proverb and a byword. Uh, no, no nations will want to go through you. When people visit cities, they don't go to the hood. When I when I went to Houston, they said you can go anywhere around here. You can go to Katy, you can go uh, Richmond, you can go anywhere you want, but don't go to the hood. Don't go to the third ward, third ward, and the fifth ward. That's that's what the, that's what the Negroes is. St. Louis, same thing. Don't go to the west side. You can go anywhere else. Don't go to the west side. Don't go to the hood. He's, these are the curses. Don't nobody want to come see you. Won't nobody want to help you. You're going to be left. You're going to be destitute. You're going to be lost. You will be blinded, confused in heart. That's us right now as a people. And it's because we have forsaken his commandments and he's calling us back to keep his commandments. That's why we got to do church lies. That's why we got to expose these lies because the lies say, oh, you don't have to do that. You don't have to keep the Torah. You just got to believe. No, 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 no. Belief ain't helping us. Our people still strung out believing. How many people are drug addicts that say they're Christian, say they believe in God? You know what I'm saying? Like, our, our people are destitute, are lost, are hurt, broke by this system. And it's because we have forsaken his commandments and we have to get back to it. We have to. If we don't, we just going to be out here continually getting destroyed. Our people are fighting for our rights, fighting for Black Lives Matter, fighting against police brutality, fighting for reparations. We fighting for all of this stuff. Yet we keep losing. We keep seeing people, our people get killed unjustly. We keep um, getting denied reparations. Obama denied us reparations. I don't know why we support him. He, he denied us reparations. Wouldn't even listen to Dr. Claude Anderson when he presented his case for reparations. I mean, no matter what we do, they keep shutting us down. It's because we haven't returned to our first love. It's because we haven't returned to the most high to keep his toil. That's what we got to do. If we do that, he said that you, we'll, we'll come out of the lands where we scattered with, with great substance. He said we come out with our gold and silver and our, and our, 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 um, our spices and our, our, our produce and, 
And he said, we will ride on camels out like, like when we leave, it's going to be a glorious thing when we leave this land, but it won't happen until we get back to this tour. It won't happen until the end. So we are, uh, we had about an hour 30, we, we about 30 minutes over. So we're going to go ahead and end it there. Um, but this is, this is the conclusion of the, the series on the truth about tithing. We hope that it was a blessing to you. We hope that you got some out of it and we hope that you, uh, Challenge your pastors on this, man. Challenge your pastor. Forget the, the 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 days of not challenging the pastor. That that needs to be over, because for too long they have gotten away with telling um, these lies from the pulpit. Saying you supposed to tithe, you supposed to do this. You're supposed to, mm -mm. His word don't say that. His word does not say that. Present him these scriptures on tithing and ask to see whether or not uh, he can prove he or she can prove to you that. We're supposed to be giving money, currency to the church. Is before we close, you got anything you want to add? Nah, I'm cool. That, that's all I had. Just right. fear the most high and keep his commandments. That's it. That's the that's conclusion it. of the whole matter. That's it. Mm -hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, that's that that is our salvation. That is our salvation. Fearing Yah, keeping his commandments. The most high is true. His word is true. But the church is a lie.